Thank you for joining us for the latest installment of the Ropes and Gray Alumni Podcast. I'm Mike Bovet, a partner in our Strategic Transactions Group, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my friend, former colleague and now client, Julie Constable. Julie and I worked together closely during the time she was here for a period of eight years from 2012 to 2020. Since then, Julie is a senior lawyer at one of Ropes' most important clients, Blackstone, and more specifically, Blackstone Life Sciences. I continue to watch in awe of Julie and her accomplishments since leaving Ropes. As the Vice President of Legal and Compliance at Blackstone, dedicated to the Life Sciences platform, Julie not only leads all transactions originating within Blackstone Life Sciences, but also Ropes and Blackstone's deep partnership on pro bono matters. In today's podcast, I look forward to discussing Julie's career path, her success, lessons learned, and her commitment to pro bono work. So let's start with your path post-Ropes. Two questions to start us off. The first is, what did you find most challenging about the transition from big law in house. And the second is, what is the most rewarding thing you've experienced since making the transition? I actually think that the answer to what is most challenging about the transition and most rewarding is probably one and the same. So first, there are there were really two challenges for me, one time-based and, and one, you know, more typical of the, the transition from big law to in-house. So first, I left Ropes and started at Blackstone in January 2020. And I only really had about two months with my team in person due to COVID. Um, So I would say that that was a particular challenge because as you know, um, being the counsel for a specific business or business unit requires a lot of trust building. And the best way to build trust is to be in the room with the people you work with day in and day out. I think that we, very successfully handled that um, using technology, virtual video chats, things like that. Um, and and I think that I really have formed a deep connection and um, trust level with my client at this point. The second challenge that I would say probably everyone going from big law to in-house finds is you're moving from someone who has a set list of clients, but you're you see your client when they have a big transaction And once it's over, you go back, you say goodbye, and you wait until the next time they pick up the phone. Um, When you're in-house, you are embedded with your client 24-7. You are part of the business team, and um, you are part of all the processes that are happening behind the scene, both before, during, and after a transaction, and wholly unrelated to transactions. Um, and while that's a challenge, I also find it to be the most rewarding aspect of the job and, and probably why I decided um, to make the leap into the in-house world is that I wanted to be that business advisor. I wanted to be the person that saw risks, not just in a specific deal, but enterprise-wise. And that's something you really have to do in-house. Well, I, I can see that the carrying over from uh... – your success here at Ropes and seeing the bigger picture is clearly translated. And I think having watched uh, your colleagues and those in the business team just sing your praises on a, on a daily and weekly basis, that's, I think, just a true testament to how you made that transition. I know every day is a different day, but can you describe a day in the life of Blackstone? In my day-to-day life, what, I'm, what I aim to achieve is that I'm in the room with the business team um, for any decision that's or activity that's being um, discussed. So what I mean by that is before we do a deal, before we do a new activity like a fundraise, 
Um, I want to be part of those pre-meetings where we're coming up with the ideas, uh, creating complex and innovative structures, whatever. And the reason why I want to be in the room is not only because it's exciting, but because I can help advise on risk profiles and structures right from the beginning. My day-to-day -day is basically trying to get in front of the business um, and make sure that I'm in the know on what's happening so that I can help them do what they want to do in a really efficient way. And then in terms of the pandemic, Blackstone has done a really great job of utilizing every technology available to make our jobs um, as efficient as possible. So um, I would say that it was a pretty seamless transition as far as these things go in terms of, you know, still having our meetings, still being able to reach people. And maybe it just made us all a little bit more cognizant that spending 95% of our, our day in meetings um, is a little bit <laughs> too much, um, you know, in terms of getting Zoom fatigue. Funny, your, uh, your request is the same one I always try to have with clients, which is, please, 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 I won't even charge you, but try to get me involved as early as possible as you think about structures, because it's always, it's always hard to unwind the bell, uh, to mix metaphors. Um, so it's... Exactly. Uh, Sometimes, uh, sometimes we're heard, sometimes we're not, but that's awesome. So second question, or I guess the fourth question, depending on how we're counting. So how did your experience here at Rose prepare you or frankly not prepare you for your role at Blackstone? Mm. I always joke that ropes rewires your brain. It not only teaches you to be the best drafter, you know, that you could possibly be, which is a really important skill. What I think that ropes did, um, that really did help prepare me for my job at Blackstone is rewire my brain to be as critical a thinker as possible. So again, it's I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what are the risks? What are the gaps? What are potential pitfalls of anything we're doing? And then constantly kind of moving those risks in order of um, risk profile in my head as, as I go along in my day. And I think that was something that Ropes really instilled, that you have to look at the big picture. You have to be very detail-oriented and, and you know, be able to identify those gaps. And, and you have to make it specific for your client or your company. And you want to get the full picture of your client. And, you know, I think that's a skill set that successful attorneys at Ropes and other places develop over time. But, you know, that's something that even junior associates can start working on right away, which is like, here's, here's a risk for you, but I don't think it applies to your business. Or here's what I think are the most important critical issues for you to think about. From the mentorship perspective, is there anything that kind of stands out to you, either, either the, you know, the minor things that someone did that really had a profound impact on you, um, things that we could be doing better to mentor young associates, particularly uh, diverse associates? Yeah, I think that having mentors is the key to your success at Ropes and Gray and, and frankly anywhere. It's a really tough job that you're doing at Ropes. It's complex. It's demanding by the clients. There's just a lot of nuance to pick up and it takes years of experience to be able to feel comfortable in your practice. So I think the earlier you can find a mentor, the better. And my advice is mentors don't always come to you, but if you have someone who, you know, you really look up to or aspire to do their practice, um, take initiative and, 
you know, try to work with them, try to build that re- relationship up. Um, and your mentors change over time as, as you develop as a, a young lawyer. Um, and, and Mike, you know, despite you doing the interview, I, I really did see you as a mentor in my career. And, and one of the things that I'm grateful for is not everyone envisions themselves wanting to stay to make partner at Ropes and Gray. Um, some people do want to experience legal practice outside of big law. And I think that you have always been open about talking about what those career paths are and making sure that you're set up for the best experience post big law. And, you know, you have to be really thoughtful about that and, and how you achieve your next goal. And I think you've always been great at, you know, giving that frank advice and make me a little misty eyed. Thank you for that. Um, so I guess one of the things that I think has been, you know, a hallmark of your time here at Ropes and then after Ropes is your commander pro bono work. And, uh, you know, you are the lead. You took the initiative and brought us along to say pro bono is really important to Blackstone. It's really important to the, the lawyers of Blackstone. And one of the creative things that you did and you led and you continue to nourish is the relationship Blackstone uh, in-house lawyers have with Ropes and Gray focused on pro bono matters. And could you just give us a little bit of a flavor of what that partnership is and and uh, kind of the commitment that uh, Blackstone has to pro bono? My commitment really started at Ropes where I thought that we have a lot to give. We have very unique services that we can offer that most people cannot. So I got really involved in doing various types of um, pro bono projects, specifically in the guardianship space that were some of my most rewarding memories at Ropes. And when I was leaving, I knew I didn't want that pro bono side of my practice to go away because it was so rewarding. Blackstone similarly has a real commitment to doing pro bono work. We want to give back to the community. And last year, given all of the unfortunate events that happened um, with disparities in this country that really shed a light on them, um, we wanted to take even more action and, you know, be leaders in the field. Um, so that's when I reached out to you and some of the other members of the ROPES team that represent Blackstone and and thought, you know, what better way than to partner on some of these issues together um, to have a stronger impact. Um, and, you know, it also was helpful that ROPES has offices in Boston and New York and California, which is where Blackstone is, so we could bring together, you know, large groups of people to help their own communities. Um, So one of the projects that I'm really excited that we've been working on, as you know, because you're also involved, is the Innocence Project. Um, There's nothing more rewarding than being able to look at people's records and, and see whether they rightfully should be in jail. We're looking at people that committed potential crimes in the early 90s. Um, so looking at whether they should be released is is super fulfilling. Um, and I'm excited for where we'll take that program, building it, as well as, you know, building some other programs because I just want to harness all of them so that as a community, we have the broadest impact. Thank you for your leadership on that. It's actually, in addition to the important work it is, it's actually providing more younger lawyers here to have direct exposure to some of the most senior people in your group. So we appreciate it. And so now that you are in-house, what is your advice as, as younger lawyers try to develop their own book of business? You really have to be a business advisor in addition to a legal advisor. So what we're looking for is both time and money efficient advice. And 
So we're looking for sophisticated legal analysis quickly. But it has to go beyond being a great drafter and even a great negotiator. It has to be that you're also giving us business practical solutions and being able to communicate them to us in a way that the business team can understand. And I think that's something that a lot of lawyers in big law struggle with. Um, you know, it's a lot more comfortable to basically, again, we keep talking about risk, but lay out, you know, all of the different risk factors in a very long email or memo because you want to make sure that you're not missing anything that would later come back. But that's not really what a business professional wants. They want something communicated to them that says, here's your answer or here's our advice right up front and here's why. And then you can kind of include all the rest of that, you know, in an appendix or footnotes or something. But it's all about being able to really communicate and provide business savvy advice in a clear manner that I think sets apart a really great lawyer from the pack. Extremely helpful. All right, one final formal question. Any any favorite ropes memories? <laughs> so many great memories, you know, starting right from the summer program. I've never experienced, you know, whining and dining like that. Um, I hope that continues post-COVID. Um, I met some of my best friends through ropes, two of which were uh, bridesmaids at my wedding. Um, you're really in the trenches <laughs> together. So lots of late nights and, you know, phone calls and things to kind of all stick together and stay with it. Um, and and really the pro bono work I did at Ropes was some of the most fulfilling work I did just in terms of like actually impacting humans on an individual level and making making their families safe in the guardianship context. So there was nothing more fulfilling than that. So Julie, just to go with our lightning round, first question is what is your ideal vacation spot? I think um, I know the answer to this knowing you, but. <laughs> you, you, you know, my, my COVID vacation place is in the Adirondacks, but um, now I am dying to go just do trips to Europe again. I, I really like big, epic trips, like going throughout the continent of Africa where you're at beaches and on safari and in cities. So I can't wait until we can travel free and clear. You have an adventure gene that I do not have, as most people know who know me. Um, uh, if you weren't a lawyer, what would you be? So my previous career was in public health. And if I could do anything I'd want, um, if I had all the money in the world, I'll be going back to to that space to do to be a little bit more of a, a do-gooder. Fabulous. Your favorite show, either current or, you know, no longer on? <laughs> Historic favorite shows would be... West Wing, Sopranos, Lost, you know, you can name them all. Um, right now, I feel like everything has been <laughs> kind of trashy. Basically, anything on Netflix, <laughs> but I'll watch at the moment. So. <laughs> Favorite meal? French food. French. <laughs> Any day of the week. <laughs> Not French fries, French food. Okay. Um, I mean, French fries, too. Uh, we'll take them. <laughs> uh, your favorite season? I can't choose between summer and fall. They both have their advantages, but I will say spring and winter in New England, not my favorite. <laughs> I know my right, like ski, can... so you might you might actually like winter, but <laughs> I need to be a little warmer. <laughs> uh, 
All right, last one, if you can complete uh, this clause. Ropes and Gray is? A challenging and stimulating environment. I love it. So first of all, thank you for taking the time today. I mean, it's always terrific to hear, but it's fabulous to hear what you've been up to. For those of you that have lost touch with Julie a little bit, I know our alumni community will uh, find your insights valuable. Um, for the alumni that are out there, please, please visit our alumni website, alumni.ropesandgray.com. To stay up to date alumni, get the latest news about the firm. If you're interested in switching jobs, there is a little section on that. If you want to come back to Robes, let me know. But anyhow, uh, thank you all for listening. Julie, thank you so much for taking the time. We know how busy you are. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening and looking forward to the next one.